Well, welcome to Wildwood again, the study of God's Word. I thank you for joining us today, and I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Hebrews, the second chapter. Use the View Version app. Uh, be ready to study together. Now, I love a good flashlight, and many of you do too. So this week I was searching online and discovered a listing for the top 2020 LED battery-powered flashlights in the whole entire world. Uh, I love this. Here are the top seven flashlights. And to give you a, a little perspective, here's my cool handy-dandy headlamp, which I consider to be very bright, is rated at 350 lumens when the batteries are fresh. I look good in this, don't I? Don't worry, I'll turn it all the way off for you. Anyway, here's the top seven flashlights. Number seven is the Ace Beam X80. It comes in at 25,000 lumens. The number six is the Emilent DX80, which comes in at 32,000 lumens. Then number five is the Ace Beam X80 GT at 32,500 lumens. Then the Emilent R90TS at 36,000 lumens. Then we take a big jump with number three. The Emilent MS12 goes all the way to 53,000 lumens. Then the Ace Beam X70 at 60,000 lumens. And finally, the number one, Battery-powered flashlight in 2020 is the Emilet SM19, 100,000 lumens. That's only cost $669 on Amazon, but the replacement battery pack will set you back $229. Don't worry, Ed, I didn't purchase it for a similar illustration, though I was tempted. Any takers out there? You know, when it's dark, a bright light can make a huge difference. But the thing about a bright light is that it can blind us. Or, if it's dark, it can show us the way. 2 Peter 1.19, we also have the prophetic message is something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. Notice this, as to a light shining in a dark place. The message that's spoken by Jesus and recorded in the book we know is the Bible. It's the light we need to show us the way when life is difficult, frustrating, and confusing. And so today, we begin a brand new series entitled Eyes Up and Anchors Down. And in the turmoil of life and the storms that you and I face, we need the reminder of where we need to keep our eyes. Our eyes need to be up on Jesus. And our lives need to be anchored in the truth of the Word of God. So for the next six weeks, we're going to study this together. Not just on Sunday mornings, but all of our small groups are going to be talking about this together. And our key verse comes from Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, which says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So I want you to say that out loud with me right now. I know you just took a sip of coffee or a bite of your bagel, but you can do it wherever you happen to be. So we're going to say it all together out loud, all right, from where you're at. Here we go, Hebrews 2, 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Most of you did pretty good. See, as leaders, we want to encourage you to keep your eyes up on Jesus and your anchors down in the truth of the Word of God. So I want us to take a few moments this morning and talk about 
what that looks like to keep our eyes up, our anchors down. So I'm a little curious about how your family takes a vacation. Do you just jump in the car and drive somewhere or do you map it all out and you know every detail of every part of the trip? Some of you are a map it out kind of a person and others of you are, let's just get in and go have some fun. But both have an end destination in mind. We just may take a different journey or different route. See, as a church, we have a destination in mind and we have mapped out a pathway for us to get there. And our destination is this, a life focused on Jesus. And the pathway that we take to get there is by worshiping, by gathering as small groups, by serving together, and this last piece, by focus each day. Now, you've heard that last phrase a lot this year, focus each day. In fact, you've heard it at the end of every single sermon, that phrase, focus each day. So what does it look like as a Christian to focus each day? Well, that's what this series is about. It is helping us understand that it's what we do as Christians when no one else is looking that determines our spiritual maturity. You see, worship, we all need this. That's, that's why we worship together even online and we had our Sunday night service last week. Our, our small groups, which start this week, most of them virtually. Our service, which is an outlet for our gifts and our passions. When we provide all of those as a church, we, we do the programming. We provide the opportunity for all three. And they are so important to helping us live out our faith when we're alone, when no one is there holding us accountable, when, when we get up or when we go to bed. And so the question for you to consider is this, do I live for Jesus when others are present and watching? Or do I live for Jesus no matter what? See, we don't want you to live for Jesus only when you're with your church family. We, we want to help you to grow in your faith so that when you are separated and quarantined and secluded from others, you will still be able to stay strong. We desire to help you focus each day. And so this series is about helping you to do that by looking at two very key areas of our lives. Our eyes are up and our anchors down. Our eyes are up, we're looking up to Jesus predominantly through prayer. Our anchors are down. We're digging our lives and anchoring them to the word and the truth of the Bible. So again, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to look at the first four verses, and I want you to listen to this passage, and then let's dig in. Here's what the writer says. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So we must pay more careful attention to what we've heard. 
You know, one of the struggles we've all wrestled with during COVID-19 is this. To whom should we listen to get our information? Right? I mean, the impact of the speaker is really dependent upon their credibility. I mean, just, just because someone has on a white lab coat, right? Or they have a degree after their name or many degrees after their name, or they've got a really significant or important title, that's not a guarantee that they're credible. And so when it comes to paying attention, as the writer here says, to what we have heard, we really have to first consider the whom, the the speaker. I mean, if I'm going to pay attention to the message, then is the speaker credible? And this is really what the writer of, of Hebrews reveals in the first chapter of Hebrews. Before he challenges us to pay attention, he provides the credibility of the speaker. So who is this speaker and why should we pay attention to this speaker? So who's the speaker? Look in chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us, here we go, by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Now, ultimately, it is God speaking, right? That's the first part of verse 1, God himself. And we see, you know, the medium of his message, basically in two eras or two periods of time, according to those first two verses. We've got in the past, which is referring by much of the pictures here, referring to the Old Testament covenant and message, you know, like the Ten Commandments, um, the law that was given to our ancestors um, through the prophets, as he says there, right, at many times and in various ways. And so he's referring to the way God spoke pre-Jesus, right? But then he goes, but in these last days, very verse 2, That's a clear reference to the New Covenant church area, the era that is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter himself places the church, you and I, in this era called the last days, when he quotes from Amos on the day of Pentecost in Amos chapter 2. And so in the first two chapters of Hebrews, The writer of Hebrews is contrasting the message of the old covenant of law with the message of the new covenant of grace. But he's even more so contrasting, you know, the speakers of those two covenants. You've got the angels who brought the message of the Old Testament, but who brings the message of the new covenant? It's Jesus Christ. And then the writer spends the remainder of chapter 1 proving and demonstrating how Jesus is far superior to the message delivered by any angel. Thus, the message Jesus delivers is far superior to the message delivered by the angels to Moses and other prophets in the Old Testament. It's not that it wasn't important, but the message of Jesus is what God intended all along. And the point is this, We pay attention to the words of Jesus because there is none who is more credible than him. Who is this man to whom we listen? He is Jesus, the Son of God.
so really before we can get to the message the writer establishes the credibility of the speaker jesus is the one to whom we must look up to our eyes up to and to whom we must listen now we're going to spend time in week four of this series discussing more about the credibility of the word of god the bible where the which the writer kind of validates as you look at chapter two verses three and four here but today we're going to focus more on the speaker and jesus is the one to whom we must always have our eyes up and as we learned in our series focal point all the way back at the beginning of the year in january Whom we choose to focus upon will be the difference between significance and futility, the difference between eternal life and eternal death. So we come to this question, what were they to do with this message to, you know, this, what they have heard? So let's take a moment and dig in. So in the context that we're reading, when we talk about, you know, pay the most careful attention, it's, it's very much related, this pay attention, this pay careful attention is very much related to other verses in the book of Hebrews where the hearers are urged to hold fast to their confession of faith without which the goal of salvation cannot be reached. Here's some examples, Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house and we are his house if indeed, here it is, we hold firmly to the confidence and the hope in which we glory. Or Hebrews 3.14, we have come to share in Christ, here it is, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And then Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And so those verses correspond to the warning that is given here in our passage, this warning about so that we do not drift away. That's very significant warning. I mean, we are not just according to this passage to what? Pay attention, right? We're not even supposed to just pay careful attention. But what does he say here? We are to pay the most careful attention. I mean, when you tie it to the phrase drift away down here, it it implies that something was happening in that Christian community where some of them had grown very lax in their commitment to Jesus Christ, that this message, they just quit paying attention to that message. Then he goes on to say, we must pay the most careful attention, what? To what we have heard. To what we have heard. And this, what we've heard, this message isn't just any message, you know, spoken just by anybody. Again, when we look back into chapter one, the speaker that we're speaking about, talking about here is very clearly Jesus Christ. We know this message is the gospel or the good news about Jesus Christ, even though that word isn't used here. And though this is reference to the words and teaching of Jesus while he's on this earth, the writer is way more specific than just all of the message of Jesus Christ. He goes on later to say, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Then he says this salvation was first announced by the Lord. It was Jesus himself 
who declared that salvation is found only in him. His first message on this earth, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He spoke one of the most famous verses in all of scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And in John chapter 6, when the crowds who had gathered were turning their backs on him and leaving because the teaching was too difficult, um, Jesus asked his closest disciples, he says, will you also leave? And in John 6, 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You alone have the words of eternal life. We look to Jesus and his message because they contain words of life, eternal life. We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard. That's the gospel, the good news that Jesus proclaimed, the sacrifice of his life on the cross, that there's salvation only through Jesus Christ. So we must pay the more careful attention to what we have heard. And here it is, so we do not drift away. Now, the writer of Hebrews is employing a technical nautical term here. And it means like to hold a ship towards port or the fastening of the anchors into the seabed to keep the ship from drifting. And that warning is very significant. And there's great danger if we choose to stop paying the most careful attention to Jesus Christ. Again, apparently the interest of the Christians then to whom this letter was written, their interest in the message of Jesus had apparently diminished. Something was distracting them from paying attention to Jesus. Could it be that the fallout from things like COVID-19 are not new just us today? Now, although the source of their distraction of not paying attention is not specified at this point, the warning is very, very clear here to them. And this picture of drifting is so powerful. It, it carries with it the idea of just inattention, carelessness, uh, of just a total lack of concern for something that was once important. And this was written to Christians, to those who had accepted the message of Jesus, who, who were being careless with the most precious, important news ever. No Christian gets up one morning and decides, you know what, I'm just going to no longer pay any attention to the words of Jesus. I, I don't want to have anything more to do with them. But it does happen gradually to some over time. It happens when we fail to prioritize the words of Jesus and we get our attention diverted by the worries and cares and the busyness and the concerns of the life that we happen to be living right now. And this is why the leaders of Wildwood Christian Church zeroed in on this particular passage and the need for us to keep our eyes up and our anchors down because a storm is coming which will pu push you and I off of course. It was January of, of this year, of 2020, we were, of course, completely clueless about COVID-19 and what was coming our way. But it was January when we sat down to begin planning out this year, to think about what do we need to concentrate, what needs to be our focus. And we felt the need to concentrate on the portion of our strategy, strategy in which we call focus each day. 
And we spent two days brainstorming, praying, discussing back and forth what that priority should look like. And we landed on this verse as as kind of our key verse to the priority of focus each day. Hebrews 2.1, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And of course, on those two days, we had no clue what was coming our way. We had no idea about the great need of our church family, which would arise from COVID-19. But God knew. And I'm so thankful that we have leaders and staff here who are sensitive and humble and willing to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit who led us to this particular point. It is so easy to become distracted from what is most important. I don't know about you, but the older I get, it seems like the more easily distracted I get. Like for example, the other day, I got up from my desk to walk down the hallway because I needed to be able to do something. I hadn't taken 10 steps down the hallway when I got distracted by something out of the corner of my eye. I grab my phone, I start looking at a text message or something, and the next thing I know, after I've checked it and looked at it, I've made my way all the way down the hallway, and I'm in the auditorium. I can't even remember why I came in here. I stood here for a couple of seconds, kind of looking around, thinking, am I going to be able to remember anything? So what did I do? I just walked all the way back down the hallway, back to my office, to start all over again, So somehow, maybe I can remember what it was that I left my office to do in the first place. It is just so easy to be distracted by things that come along in our life, so much so that sometimes we forget what's most important. So are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? Are you keeping your eyes up looking to him? So before we take time to apply this message, I want to address a moment that phrase so that we do not drift away. I mean, there's several passages in Hebrews with this drifting away phrase in regard to our faith. So what does it mean when he uses that phrase, drift away from my faith? And that sounds kind of serious. That sounds potentially dangerous. Now, some in Christianity teach that, you know, once a person is saved by the blood of Jesus, then you know, nothing can ever happen that would cause us to lose that salvation. And scripture clearly teaches that we can know and live in the assurance of that salvation. And the reason is, is because that salvation isn't based on my goodness, but on the sacrifice of Jesus. And too often Christians will keep trying to do good so that maybe someday, hopefully, possibly, I'll be able to go to heaven. That's a works-based salvation. And if that's you, you're not trusting in Jesus, but you're trusting in your own good deeds. And you can be saved by doing that. But scripture teaches, as we've talked about, that salvation is conditional. That the only way I can be saved is by making the decision to put my trust in the saving work of Jesus on the cross, not my own good deeds. Now, God, he doesn't force me to make this decision to accept Jesus Christ. Does my acceptance of the salvation gift suddenly negate my free will? Not according to Scripture. I mean, the writer of Hebrews seems to indicate that 
We have the ability to make a free will choice regarding our walk with Jesus before salvation and after salvation. And he also indicates that there is a danger of this phrase, drifting away from Jesus. Now you need to know that scripture teaches that God will never ever cast me away or reject me as his child. But according to scriptures, I can make that decision. I can just reject this amazing gift of salvation. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. But I have the free will to willfully turn my back on God and say, you know what, God, I don't want to have anything further to do with you. Now, I believe that that is an extreme rare case. The greatest danger of which the writer of Hebrews is speaking is this, that of slowly drifting away, a slow and gradual drift from that which is crucial in my life. It's the danger of allowing the distractions of this world to divert my attention away from Jesus as Savior. And I go so far away in this drifting that one day I, I, I wake up and as we saw last week from Second Peter 2, I forget I've been cleansed from my past sins. We can rest assured in our salvation because it is a gift of God. But if we allow this precious gift to become so unimportant to us, then we need to heed this particular warning. The writer of Hebrews expresses it even more clearly in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. He writes these words, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who've fallen away to be brought back to repentance, to their loss. They are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So as we talked about in our Level Up series from Second Peter 1, we want to make every effort to add to our faith, to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. And the purpose of the writer here in penning these particular words is not to terrify us or to make us, you know, freaked out by it. Rather, it's to remind us that there is nothing more important and precious in our lives than the salvation given to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this series, Eyes Up, Anchors Down, is key to help this, our church family, to focus each day on Jesus Christ because to drift away, as he talks about here, to drift away from this focus, to, to forget about it, it, it's very dangerous ground. So to whom are you looking? I mean, what happens when our attention on Jesus drifts. So I got one of those senior class rings way back in 1979. Yes, children, that was the year I graduated from high school. But it wasn't very long before I lost that senior class ring. I guess I liked the idea of looking cool with my class ring on more than I valued the ring. What was interesting, it was probably, I don't know, two, three years later that my mom found it again. Apparently I'd lost it somewhere in my room, the disaster that it was. And so my mom gives it back to me. I don't think I had it more than a few months 
when I lost it again. I think it slipped off my finger somewhere since I wasn't really paying the most careful attention. It was lost for good. When we stop paying attention to something, it's so easy to lose it. The reason we stop paying attention to something is because it becomes, what, unimportant to us. It can be so easy to stop paying attention to something that's important to us. I mean, we don't mean to, right? But we, what, we get distracted by other things, things that show up in our life and suddenly it's gone. And so to keep our eyes up means that we must slow down. So last Monday, what was that, Labor Day, Patty and I went with our daughter Christy and her black lab Rosie on a hike at Greenfelder's Park. It was a beautiful day. We, we love to hike in the woods. But if you're walking quickly, the only place where you can really look is down at your feet to make sure what you don't trip over anything. But to enjoy a hike and to ensure that you're heading in the right direction, what do you need to do? You got to you know, keep your eyes up. You look down, but you got to keep looking back up to see where you're going. But in order to keep your eyes up, you got to slow down or you're going to trip and fall flat on your face. Yes, that's the voice of experience speaking right there. So I would encourage you in regard to your walk with Jesus Christ to slow down. So this is uh, my first official toolbox. It's a Craftsman solid metal toolbox. It's got to be 40 years old. I mean, I've had this thing forever, but I don't use it anymore. I got a plastic one because when you fill a toolbox up with tools that's metal, I mean, it, it just it takes a crane to be able to haul it around. But having the right toolbox to carry the right tools makes all the difference in the world. Now, I don't have as many tools as Tom Ratliff does, but that's a whole different story. But when you go on a job and you're away from your garage, wherever you have your tools, it's important to be able to have great tools in your toolbox. You need to have some basic things like a tape measure. You need some screwdrivers. You need to be able to have an adjustable wrench, a great pair of pliers. And of course, who can go anywhere without your knife? Also, it's important to have a great hammer so you can bust stuff up. And the most important of all is some duct tape. Having the right tools makes all the difference in the world. One of the other things that we spent time on as leaders and then as a staff and ultimately with our creative team is to come up with what we call a spiritual toolbox. Just a multitude of tools or ways that will assist us in paying the more careful attention to Jesus Christ. Tools that will help us keep our eyes up and our anchors down. Maybe you could call these anchors in our life. And we're going to be sharing these various spiritual tools throughout the series. But I want you to listen as Brandy shares with you the first of six key tools that will help you keep your eyes up and your anchors down. Hey guys, so the anchor we're going to be talking about today is an intentional withdrawal. Now intentional withdrawal might sound kind of strange, but it's a time where we can stop and we can give the things that we're dealing with up to God and stop worrying about them and go and rest in him. It's a time where maybe you go out for an hour or maybe a day. Um, a lot of people, me included, love to go out into the wilderness. You guys are seeing 
um, a place that I used to come to whenever I was in living in Lawton and I needed that time to withdraw and just go spend time with the Lord. This is um, one of those places that I would come to and I would just stop and breathe in and rest and reconnect with God and focus solely on him. Now there's different things that you can do during that time. You can pray. Uh, sometimes I do worship music. I play worship music on my phone and I just sing out to God. Uh, I read my Bible. I sometimes bring along a devotion that I can do. It really is just a time where you're just focused between on your relationship between you and God and giving up to him things that you might be holding on to or just resting in him because you just need that. We This life can make us so weary and it's a great time for us to really put our eyes back on focus on eyes up on Jesus and anchor ourselves back down so that we can deal with the chaos of our lives and having that time with Jesus intentionally withdrawing with him is a great anchor to have our eyes up and anchors down so thank you Brandy for that that encouragement for your great example so all of our assignment this week is to practice this intentional withdrawal. It can be intentional withdrawing for a whole day. Just tell your boss it was an assignment by your pastor. It can be an hour that you set aside. It could even be just five minutes. But make some time to intentionally withdraw this week so that you can focus totally and completely on Jesus, that you can put your eyes up on Jesus Christ. I mean, paying attention, it really doesn't require a lot of effort but it does have to be very intentional. As we spoke of in our last series, Level Up, what it really is about is just taking one step at a time, one step a day. So let's keep our eyes up on Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. Let's let that light of his love and the light of his power draw the attention of our eyes up to him let let's keep fixing our eyes on jesus christ 